should I let it play for? Keep going. If you don't know what this is from, where you been? Where you been? My name's Todd Adams. This, this is uh, this is M Parenting Radio. Who are you? This is Kathy Adams. Welcome to yet another podcast. I feel like we're in a creepy dimension. We're in the upside down. This is podcast number 503. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. What's the title of the show, my darling? So the title of the show is Stranger Things, colon, The Hurt is Good. And that's in quotes. Um, and we'll explain what that means. We will, but first... 1440, October 25th through 27th. Me and you are going to hang out with anywhere between 10 and 30 people. 10 and 100 people. We have 10 people signed up, hopefully more. We'll sign up soon. Yeah. I think as it gets closer, um, we'll, you know, people will sign up, even more people will sign up. But one thing that I was going to say was that just so everybody knows, uh, 1440 is for individuals or couples. Like there it's, even though it's Zen parenting and Todd and I are teaching it, um, you can come on your own or with friends. Yeah. Just FYI. You want to know what we're going to talk about, sweetie? At 1440? Self-awareness and mindfulness. I pulled this off the page. So you, you filled out the form. This Uh is what they got. Okay. Self-awareness and mindfulness, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I didn't say rock and roll. I didn't put rock. So sex, drugs, alcohol, anxiety, and screen time, decreasing negative and creating calm, amongst many other things. But basically, if you want to hang out with us for a weekend at 1440, go to our website and sign up. Or go to 1440. Or you can go to 1440, but go to com. go to events, and it'll click you over to the proper link. Okay. Um, so that's the deal. And one quick plug. Um the Tribe Men's Group is virtual. Go to tribemensgroup.org. We have uh, virtual and in-person meetings. Check it out. So today we're going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. Um, and if you have not seen Stranger Things um, Season 3, meaning you're not done, you may want to wait because we are we are going to discuss everything that happens, including what we would call spoilers. If you don't think you're ever going to watch Stranger Things, the only people who shouldn't, free. The only people who shouldn't listen to this are people who watch who haven't seen the end. Correct. But if you haven't seen it, it's okay to listen. I think you'll still get something out of it. For Meaning sure, if yeah. you don't want to watch Stranger Things, yeah. you're going to still enjoy this podcast, I think, because... As we do on Zen Parenting Radio, we're going to talk about the deeper meaning behind things. We're going to talk a lot about pop culture. Actually, you know, it's funny because this week, Todd and I had two things we wanted to discuss. One was Stranger Things and one was Big Little Lies. So Zen Parenting Radio, we're doing Stranger Things. And for our pop culturing podcast, we're doing Big Little Lies. So it's a big week of TV. Yes. Pop culturing. That's our pop culture theme music, uh-huh. and I just felt like playing it. I know you did. So yeah, tomorrow, Big Little Lies is going to be off the hook. So if you're a Big Little Lies fan and you you know finished it the other night, then you'll listen tomorrow for our Wednesday podcast on, about it. But so today is about Stranger Things season three, and there were so so there were some themes, Todd, that I wanted to kind of I, I was trying to figure out last night how do we break this down because. First of all, this is a third season, so there's a lot of backstory that we're not going to be able to really get into except through conversation, yep. you know, when it's relevant. And then the other thing is there's a lot of different directions that you can go with Stranger Things. Like, what are what's the area that you want to focus on the most? And 
because this is an parenting radio, I thought we would break it down this way. Um, the themes about growing up and grief and trauma okay. in regards to growing up, women. Women, got it. And then just how many 80s movies uh, are in this series. Are we going to hit all three of these? Or are we going to decide? Absolutely. Oh, we are. Okay, yes. good. So these are the three themes. And actually, it's more than three because I'm combining growing up grief and trauma all into the same, sure. you know. It's a big one. It's a big one. But it's um, they're all overlapping. Yeah. And this show does a very nice job in commenting on something that, that you think is just pretty surface or just really basic TV show, but um, it's much deeper. There's there's more of a message behind it. The, the guys who do Stranger Things, the Duffer Brothers, um, are obviously 80s children. Yes. And Big fans. They're very inspired, but they also have, I think, a wonderful writing capabilities where you're, you kind of get, um, the deeper message behind why things are happening, which I really think that eighties movies did a pretty good job too. Depending on the movie, there, depending there's on the a movie. lot of, there's a lot of bad movies in that decade. Yeah. There's and some every duds. other decade. There's some surfacey movies. You think there's more bad movies now or in the eighties? Oh, I think it's, I think you could argue it now. either way. I don't know. For some really? reason, I think movies are generally speaking worse like i think the good movies are better but i just think there's more garbage out there don't you think that's like an old man thing to say Probably. that you know kids these days kind of thing a little bit but think about the movies like at any moment doesn't matter when and you yeah. like just you walk past the movie theater and you see the the posters yeah how many of them are truly like oh wow that looks like something i'd want to watch i think we are right now very inundated with like Marvel movies and things yeah. like that. And so it's hard to find a good independent movie. Sure. Um, the romantic comedy is kind of, you know, you can't find those as much anymore. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to find those like deeper movies, but I think everything comes in cycles. Yeah. And honestly, the Marvel movies, the part of the reason that they're so popular is they do have a heart. Sure. They're not surfacey movies. Yeah. Um, so anyway... Let's dive into... Let's dive. Okay. So first of all, one of the messages that is very clear is that that you have to grow up. Okay. So in Stranger Things 3, the kids are... What do you think? Are they freshmen, 14, 15? Yeah, they're probably just starting high school. Yeah. They don't really give you the exact... And how old were they when... Because I didn't watch season one. So I feel like I'm not necessarily that qualified to talk about Stranger Things because I missed a whole first season. But they were probably... Sixth they grade when they started, or Absolutely. fifth grade. Absolutely. Okay. You would actually enjoy looking back. I was looking on um, YouTube, and there's this great YouTube clip, uh, and it's just called Mike and Elle's Cutest Moments, mm -hmm. and it like shows all... Of, you don't want to pull it up now, because it'll just distract you. Yeah, oh, it. I thought you were doing no, that. No, no. But... Um, it just kind of shows you their cutest interactions. And they're just little Have kids. Have they been boyfriend, girlfriend since the first season? It was never boyfriend, girlfriend when they first met. Mike was her friend uh. and Mike um, was a protector and she was his protector. And they were just really good friends. So this romance began with a solid friendship. A very solid friendship that they always kind of liked each other deeper mm. than, you know, it was kind of a than her and any of the other guys exactly, yeah. but it was it was gently done yes. where it wasn't just romantic all the time. Um, but you know these kids are growing up, and not only are they struggling with that within their friend group, but their parents are struggling with it a little bit. Except I, there was one 
I shouldn't say except, but there's one funny scene where it's it's in the last episode, Todd, where do you remember when Hopper and um, Joyce get on that gravity? gravity yeah. machine that yeah. that ride that everybody's gone on if you're born in the 80s um and they're talking to mrs wheeler that's mike and nancy's mom okay and they're like where are the kids and she's like well they were at max's and then they were here and then they were here and then she's like it's summer i yeah. have no idea that is so indicative of growing up in the 80s it is nobody knew where you were and probably the 70s the 60s the 50s and the 40s it's just the 90s is when we started getting all crazy high maintenance with our parenting put it this way this movie is way before helicopter parenting because yes. you're if you weren't around you just weren't around yeah and, i don't know where they are uh, i don't know where my seventh grader is no idea <laughs> i know and so that that's kind of a funny moment but you know there is a lot of change happening and i think one of the first things in especially in the first couple episodes um that you and i noticed was the difference between lucas and max who have been dating and l and mike who have been dating and then there's Dustin has been at camp mm-hmm. all summer. And then there's Will. And Will, it's almost like he's not the same age as his friends mm-hmm. anymore. And you could say it's because he doesn't have a girlfriend. But one thing that we discussed last night, it, I think it's more because of what happened to him in season one and season two. And what happened? Well, you you didn't see season one, but Will's really not in season one a lot because he gets taken. Got it. Okay. He gets taken by, you know, in season one, I think we call it like it's- I'm going to call them the scary monsters. The mind flare. Yeah. Right. So scary monsters got Mike, no, or I'm sorry, Will, Will in season one uh-huh. and all of season two, he was possessed by the scary monsters. Yeah. It got into his body. Yes. So basically it was already, it, it was a little like Elle having the mind flare stuck in her leg, mm-hmm. you know, is that- once they, because Joyce goes into the Upside Down in season one and pulls Will out, but he had it inside of him. And so at the very end of season one, he realizes that it's still inside of him. Yeah. So that's how you go into season two. And then, of course, you know, season two, um, it takes him over. And we so actually did um, not a podcast about it, but we talked about Will. In one of, oh, it's when you were sick. It's when I had the flu. You, had the, you shouldn't have been on a podcast. I Somehow we did it. And you, your body was kind of beaten up for about a month and you felt like, Will. and then I remember fast forwarding to this part and you were saying about how you felt like Will. I felt like Will in season two when the, it, that essence, if it's mind flare or whatever it is at this point, he, the thing has different names, takes over his body and like goes through his body and just like, like completely wrecks it and takes him over. That's what I felt like the flu did to me. So what I feel like uh, what you were going, there was an episode in this last season where Will wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. So he is still doing what they used to do a few years ago. Yet his, his friends who are boys have Mm -hmm. since Um, not moved on, but Dungeons and Dragons is less important than it once was. Correct. And for Will, what I think you can see is that not only is Dungeons and Dragons still important to him, but he is, because of the trauma he experienced in season one and season two, he is behind. Like, he's younger than, it's like he hasn't had, they had all these experiences of rescuing him and saving him, and he 
he was the person being saved. So he didn't grow the yeah. way that they did. Plus he was a traumatized kid. Like this is, since this is unparenting radio, let's just pretend this is all real. This is how trauma shows up. It sure. stunts you. Yeah. It's slow. It, you get behind, you get stuck in certain times. And he still, actually, Todd, you can play a scene. Um, the one that says, what L, number? I gave you numbers. Did you bring um, your, your cheat sheet down? I, I didn't, but it says on it, L and D and D. Okay. Uh, number four. Number four, Yeah, Perfect. start at 133. One, two, three, four. Here we go. I dump your ass. Can we play D and D? No. <laughs> so that is that good? Yeah. Okay. So it's like a perfect example of here's this situation going on where this whole time, uh, you know, the the boys are talking about their girlfriends or their fights with their girlfriends, and finally L like breaks up with you know he, she says I dump your ass mm -hmm. to Mike breaks up with him, and Will is like now that you guys are done can we play yeah D &D? Will is being opportunistic like <laughs> sweet he probably saw that as a really good thing he did and he and for him it's so simple again which is childlike you know where it's like okay now you guys are broken up now can we play mm -hmm. where being broken up with is like the beginning. Like yeah. they, he's not even going, he can't even deal with that. Right. And you can hear Mike and Lucas say, no, we can't like. And then eventually Will's feelings get really, really hurt. So do you remember the scene when he's in his little house in the backyard? Do you, what he does? I don't. I mean, I, I vaguely, but what does he do? Um, he starts to like, like, take a bat to his childhood house mm. in his backyard. Do you remember that? And he start. it's raining and he's crying uh -huh. and he starts ripping up his pictures that he's drawn. Yeah. He starts ripping up the pictures of he with his Basically friends. Basically tearing up his innocent youth. Exactly. It's very symbolic of this is over. And he kind of got, he got, um, he's got the screw job. He did. He didn't <clears throat> get to experience a lot of his childhood because of trauma. Yeah. He missed a few of the steps in the process yes. that his buddies were able to step through. Exactly. He got ripped off. He you got know, ripped off. There was a lot of talk because there's one scene where Mike actually says to him, I can't help it if you don't like girls. And a lot of people read into that as like, was he commenting on his sexuality? And he very well could be. I don't know. But I didn't read it at that at all. I read it as a maturity thing. Like, yeah. sorry that you're not where Lucas and I are, but right. we're into girls now. And very similar, uh, Todd and I did a pop culturing podcast about Stand By Me. Yeah. And- Stand By Me was like the stage. That's where Will still is. Right. Right before it, there's even a line in Stand By Me where Richard Dreyfus, who narrates the movie, says it was the, you know, when they're sitting around the campfire and they're just talking about, you know, cartoons and all that. He's like, it's the it's the important discussion that you think you're having until you discover girls. Correct. Yeah. And so Will is still in the... Yeah, he's still in Stand By Me. Exactly. And he he's the wizard. He wants to be, you know, the wizard. Sweetie, it's called the Dungeon Master. The Dungeon Master, whatever. And at the end, um, you know, because we're talking about the whole season here and not just one episode, he actually, when Will is moving, because that's what happens at the end, he's he is going to give his D&D &D to Erica, Lucas's sister. And Mike's like, wait, 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 take that with you and we'll keep playing. And he's like, no, when I come back, I'll play with you guys. Yeah. And he and he's like, well, what if you get another group team? What's the language for D&D? &D Campaign? Friends? 
campaign. Oh, oh no, he um, God, he did use a word that he I did. remember from my childhood. What was that word called? Party? I think it's called a party. What if you get another party? He goes, that won't happen, which is basically him saying, I will never have friends like you guys. Well, one quick hats off to the guys who show up at this game in Elmhurst, Illinois, which is where we live, called the Gaming Goat. Mm-hmm. And they still show up as 20-year-old people playing D&D. And one of these days, I got to stop in and say, I'm in. It's just not one of those games that you can jump in. But my point is, yes... Certain times you got to let th- your childhood go, but at the same time, you don't have to let it all go. Right. You And that's kind of the, the very nuanced place. I think when we go through stages of maturity, our first belief is that we do need to let it all go. And sometimes you do so you can move forward. And, 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 and the only way to kind of recapture your youth is to leave it behind for a little while. Exactly. You know? I don't know if that makes Absol- sense. Absolutely. You have to leave it behind and then go back as a mature person yeah. and play. We, You know, you and I could play D&D now and it's not a problem. How about it's, tonight? Okay, let's not. So the next thing of grief, yes. let's talk about um, Steve, who you love. Do that's, you love Steve? That's or? the long hair guy? Yeah. Oh, no. That's the guy who was possessed this season. No, Steve, not Billy. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, I like Steve. At school. That's John Ralphio guy. Yeah, John Ralphio guy. He looks just like John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Um, but Steve and Robin, yeah. who, you know, work at the ice cream place. So their grief and the experience that they're going through is they've graduated from high school. Mm. And like what comes next? Same with John. Do they go to college or no? No. And and Steve talks about that a lot. Okay. He talks about the fact that if he would have paid more attention in school, if he would have like had his act together, maybe he could have gone to college and not be working at an ice cream place. He was scooping. He was scooping. And the same thing is going on with Jonathan and Nancy. Mm. They've also graduated from high school and they are working or at least in the first two episodes, you know, trying to trying to um, demonstrate their worth at the newspaper. And, you know, Jonathan's just putting his head down and doing his work and being a photographer. Nancy's trying to make, you know, she's trying to break a story or like be more hands-on, but the men that she works with. She's getting crapped on by her male colleagues. Yes. Because they're saying get coffee and they're calling her Nancy Drew and they're, they're not taking her seriously at all. So that's a struggle too, is, you know, you go from being a senior in high school where you're kind of the thing. And then all of a sudden you have to, you know, go back. So that's another, you know, point of grieving and growing up. And then of course, Hopper and Joyce, um, you know, Hopper is grieving L growing up and he is already grieving. He's already lost a daughter and he's already lost a wife. Um, and so that grief is very real in him and that lives in him. And then he's been living with L and, and again, they don't show a lot of it. They do in season two, but you know from the letter he reads at the end that they spend a lot of time together, yeah. he and L, because L has certain rules where, and those rules get significantly broken in season three, but where she can't go out a lot and be around a lot of people because she's got powers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now she kind of disregards all that, but she spends a lot of time with Hopper. It's just the two of them. It's just the two of them. So he's he he's bummed that she and Mike make out all the time. Would and they hang out say all that the they um, Hopper and Al are codependent? Well, I mean, or at least he is still dependent on her. He might be. We could look at it different ways. Like we could pathologize it and say there's a codependency, or we can just look at it from a perspective of how normal it is. If it's if you're a single parent with a kid, and he says to her, is, is, is a, as a dad, exactly, and he says to her before in the letter that he writes her at the end, he says to her, you know, like I didn't feel, 
I had gone numb until you came back mm. into my life and you've brought me happiness. And now I realize you have to keep growing. Yeah. Like he wants to stay stuck. He wants Mike to go away. Yes. He wants to keep doing, he wants to watch Miami Vice on Friday night with Elle. Yes. And sweet, this goes back to we played landslide at the end of last week's show. Yes. Even children get older. They do. And so that's, you know, that's a grieving thing. Yep. Um, also at the um very end of the show, they um Will, Joyce, Jonathan, and Eleven have to leave. They gone. So did you ever have a best friend move? Or did you ever have a friend Nobody leave? significant. I had friends move, but no, no big ones. I did. And it's really... Sucks. Sucks. And it's interesting. I didn't have to be the one who moved. And I think for those of you listening who have moved, you're probably thinking you have no idea right. what it's like. Because my mom always tells me, my mom had to move her junior year in high school. And she still considers that one of the most significant traumas of her life. Yeah. Because her whole life... You know, she's going along, has her best friends, everything's fine. And then you're 15 or 16 years old and you have to leave. Yeah. And so not only did, you know, there's a ripple effect there. You leave behind friends. And then I know my daughter's had friends that have moved. And, you know, it's a, that's a grief in, its, in itself. That's a trauma. So, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, some of the other things about growth and trauma, like one of the, I think the biggest messages here is Billy. And you know, Billy is different than Steve. Billy is Billy's the possessed guy. Billy is the, is good he, looking possessed guy. He's, he's the mind flayed leader. Yeah. He's the leader of the mind flayed. Yeah. He's they, in charge of recruiting more people to get the jelly monster to grow. Jelly monster. To uh, beat up Al. Because they need Al. Be, the mind flayer needs Al. Why? Be, for two reasons. Number one, because she's the one who closed the gate in the in season two, so she's the most powerful, yeah. and they want to they, get rid of her. Yeah, they need Elle to kill her. They don't need her, need her. But there is some talk that the Mind Flayer would like to absorb her because then he absorbs Elle's powers. Oh, got it. That makes See, sense. I, and I again, <clears throat> this is what's fun about these shows. You yeah. don't know what the Duffer Brothers are thinking, right. but you can kind of pull your own, you know, there's two reasons. Let's get rid of her and let's take over her powers, yeah. you know? Um, so Billy... Um, we get to know Billy more in this season. Do you remember in season two when he's introduced and there are a few scenes where his dad is fairly abusive yes, to him? Yes, I do. So they had kind of set up that Billy was a kid who was being abused by his father mm -hmm. emotionally and physically. Yeah. Um, and in season three, they demonstrate how that started, how the dad was abusive to Billy's mother, who he loved dearly. Mm-hmm. The mother left, and then that cycle of abuse continued. The dad then, instead of abusing the mother, started to abuse Billy, and then Billy started to abuse other kids. Billy started to abuse Max. It demonstrates the cycle. Hurt people hurt people. You got it. It's the cycle of abuse. We. I'm not saying that every single person who abuses ends up abusing because that person who is abused can sometimes take completely the other path, but I'll say this. For the people I've worked with or met or known or, you know, through work who are abusers, they've all been hurt by yeah. someone. You don't just come into the world and decide you're going to abuse somebody. Well, and <clears throat> I don't know, our brain is so interesting because they're, it's so easy to dislike Billy. Yes. Because he's so mean. Yes. But the moment you see him as a five-year-old boy near an ocean on a surfboard, your heart 
totally extends out. It's the same person. Yet all of a sudden you shift your um, expectation or your feelings about this person just because you're like, oh, the reason this kid's a jerk is because he got the he saw his mom get the crap beat out of her. Yeah. And then he got the crap beat out of him. Yeah. So next time somebody's a jerk to you in the street, doesn't mean sit there and take it, but it means can you consider consider that. There's a reason. There's a story behind this person. What's that book that we used to get for? We got for our kids. We'd read it. A little bit scary people. A little bit scary people. Yeah, it's a really good book because yeah. it, it has all these day to day examples of how, you know, the, the cafeteria ladies mean or the principals mean or this, you know, your person in your classes mean, and then they show some insight of what happens when they go home yeah. and explains why they're mean mm-hmm. anyways. Or explains that they actually have a gentle side. Yes, that too. And, you know, there's a scene just to kind of talk about traumatized people coming together is, you know, and again, for those of you, we didn't really talk about Elle's trauma, but Elle was in season one was basically just the fact that her name's 11. She was just somebody who was being used as an experiment. She had been taken from her mother and the person who was basically abusing her the most, she called Papa. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't a father at all. He wasn't a dad, but that's what she thought he was. And so she's a very traumatized person, not to mention all the crap she's gone through. You yeah. know, it, it, you know this. And at the very last scene, when Billy is about to give her to the mind flayer, she puts her hand on his face and identifies it's trauma sees trauma. She, of course, she's trying to save herself. It's a show, blah, blah, blah. But the way she talks to him is, I get you. Mm -hmm. I know what happened. You know, there was a time you were happy. You know, it's kind of like she's taking the tools and the skills that she's learned in her own trauma, and then she's looking at him and empathizing. What she's saying is, I see you. I see you. Namaste. The Mm -hmm. good in me sees the good in you. Correct. Correct. And so, and that's one of the gifts for everybody who's had trauma in their lives. And many of us had in different forms and, um, that, that builds your compassion. Mm -hmm. It helps you connect to people. Like when you've had a struggle, it's no shock that you maybe go into a field of work where you help the people who have had experiences like you, or you can relate to people who have had experiences like you. That's, you know, we hurt people hurt people, but hurt people can also help people who have been hurt. We get to, you know, choose this path. And it was really beautiful because Billy, um, you kind of watch as, you know, when the mind flare takes over his body, you see all the black veins like on his face. But as she talks to him, they dissipate and he takes, that, you know, he knows he's at he the receives, mercy of the flare. He already. receives the good. He does, and he allows himself to be taken. And, but he and he's not at the mercy of the bad guy, as it turns out. It's kind of like with Vader and uh, very, Luke. very Al- Anakin Skywalker. At the end of you know, Father, I see the good in you. Exactly. And Vader's like, nope, sorry, yep. wrong guy. You're thinking of somebody else. And then at the very end, he takes the Emperor and heaves him over. Exactly. You know what? Exactly. And I have this huge list that we're about to get to of movies and I didn't even bring put Star Wars in there. there you go. But you're exactly right. That is a Star Wars. Uh, Let me ask you one kind of off tangential question. Yeah. I don't know where I heard this. It was on a podcast last week and the person said, they're talking about trauma and they said, all I know is that trauma sucks, but the people who are most likely to be change makers and change the world for the better are 
kids or people who have come through significant trauma Absolutely. and seen it. And you and I are raising our kids to not give them any trauma, mm-hmm. at least not in the confines of our four walls. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I want it. I don't want to ex- express trauma onto them. But in a way, according to that equation, is it does that mean that our kids who's, who are not going to see, who are going to grow up in a loving environment are less likely to be change makers? No, because the thing is that you're, you're saying that we're not going to traumatize our kids, of course, but I can tell you they get traumatized three, outside. I was going to say with each of our children, even within our family, we've had people pass away. Mm. We've had some ugly illnesses that they've had to experience and deal with. True. They've had, um, I'm more thinking of the overt explicit abuse, but see, that's when you're getting, you're deciding the trauma only looks one way. Right. And this is something that when I have people in my office and they'll come in and they start to compare pain yeah. and they'll say, well, this person was sexually abused. I shouldn't be upset just that this one thing happened. I shouldn't have PTSD. I shouldn't be trauma traumatized. Trauma is not always as overt as we think it is. And I know some people say like the word gets overused. I disagree. Trauma is trauma. And if your body has an experience to it, or if it's something you need to process or something that hurt you, then it is what it is. And it's not one of those things where there's only so much to go around. Yeah. So your point, the, the goal, what the person on the podcast was saying was Do you not, remember? Were you listening to that I podcast? listened to it too, but I can't remember which oh. one it was, and it'll probably come to us when we're done. But I think the thing about trauma is it's not about how it happened or who did it, but how you move through it. Mm-hmm. And resiliency is created. Resiliency is built through the experience of having something negative, like because a failure can be traumatizing, sure. but you can move through it and build a sense of I've been through something painful and I've come through it. So I think the you know the person that we were listening to it listening to they were saying you have to have those experiences to know that there is another side. So on a less and then we'll move on to mm-hmm. the movies or to wherever women. you want to yeah. go. Um, said another way and a and a less extreme you learn more from failures than you do success. Exactly. Because I think sometimes the word trauma and PTSD gets so get ugh. Oh dear. It gets so associated <clears throat> with specific things like rape or sexual assault or being a veteran or um you know that we forget that there's other things that happen that can cause a can cause a you know we talked about samskaras before yeah. in your body where you have a trauma you are you know people who go through a divorce people who um, lose a job who like we were just talking about that have to move and if you don't process that and move through that you can get stuck yeah um, but if you have post traumatic growth if you actually move through it and you realize there is another side and that this pain you know this we're talking about. Um, the title of this podcast is The Hurt is Good because that was a a sentence that Hopper put in his letter to Elle. And what he was saying is that the hurt is good because if you're feeling hurt, then your heart is open. Right. Um, but if you... And that's a good sign because yeah. you want to keep your heart open. If you're looking for the letter, I have it right here. Um, no, I was actually going to just do this instead. <laughs> This what he was talking about? He wasn't talking about this. Is this a song about sex? What is this song about? Um, it, it, no, no, not in the literal way that you think. Okay. No. I just wonder what 
Johnny Cougar was thinking about? Johnny Cougar Mellencamp? Yeah. No, it, it. but I think part of the reason this song got popular and it became a little controversial is because people assumed. Yeah. <laughs> you look watching the video. It's just the lyrics. I just love John Mellencamp. I think he's in, like when people are like, oh, who's your top five, ten favorite singer songwriters? He never gets brought up. And I feel like he belongs in the conversation. Well, it depends on where you are. Because I've you ever heard of Mellencamp as be like you hear Petty and you hear this guy and that guy. You just yeah. never hear Mellencamp. You know, you're right. He kind of doesn't <clears throat> fall into not even like with. He's like a second tier, like Tom Petty and. Um, I don't know, whoever else happens to be your Billy Joel, you know, like Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan. Anyways. So, okay. Okay. So, um, there we're leaving other things, but I want to move on. Um, so let's talk about women. Okay. So I thought you tell me what you think. I don't know how much we discussed this while we were watching, but I thought this was a very woman centric season. Um, yeah, I would, I'm thinking of, um, Who's a newspaper reporter lady? Nancy. Nancy. So here's all the women, and we can kind of go through each of them and talk about their okay. what happened. But Eleven, obviously. Right. Joyce. Yeah. Uh, Max. Yep. Nancy. Yep. Robin, who was an amazing addition. And uh, what's his name's sister? Little sister. Erica. Yeah. And then even Susie. Yeah, the very end. The very end. But she's has a pretty important role. You she know what does. I mean? Yeah. They're they're not going to stop save the world without her. Exactly. So, so I kind of hats off to the Duffer brothers. I know. Well, I kind of felt like, and again, people who you know, I, well, it doesn't matter because this is how I believe. I think this the message or what it felt like or what I took from it. I don't know if the Duff, Duffer brothers meant this, but was uh, believe women. Yeah. Because women like Sweetie, Nancy, why in the world would we not want to believe women? Nancy knew. Something was going down yeah. with those rats. It yeah, took and what's ju- his name? The Schlepprock, her right. boyfriend. Jonathan. He's just a dud. You do not like Jonathan. He's just a dud. Is he? Yeah, I mean, he saved Al's leg and all that crap, but I don't know. He doesn't do anything for me. So Nancy was definitely <clears throat> leading the charge and wanted to make a name for herself, and she's got all these people harassing her at work, all these men who are saying, get me coffee, making fun of her ideas. And here she is, like, and she has a really good, you know, poignant talk with her mom, yeah. where her mom's like, go go yeah. get them, yeah. you know? So you got Nancy doing that. And then you have Erica, who's an addition. That's Lucas's little sister. She's the one who, she's the fearless. smart one. Fearless. Absolutely. Even in just the basic, like, I want to try another ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's the opposite of the curse of the good girl. Correct. Because the curse of the good girl means don't make waves and all that other stuff. She's a strong, young, powerful character. And when they say, we want your help, she says, how are you going to compensate me? I mean, and again, I know... I feel like this this whole season was about helping women get their earned power back. Yes. Or... Instead of getting it back, demonstrating that women have power that we yep. sometimes don't acknowledge. For sure. Because none of these characters were necessarily trying to, they were like demonstrating it in real time. And I would say the boys took a back seat. Absolutely. Which it's about time. So, and then even Joyce, like the magnets are falling down. She's like, this is a problem. She's the instigator. She's like, Hopper, this is a problem. He's like, they're magnets. Yeah, he's too busy wearing his Hawaiian shirts. He's being Magnum P.I. Beating up a lot of people. Beating up a lot of people. And we're going to get to that. So, and then 11, you know, Elle is the strong one. She's Captain Marvel. She's such a badass. It's not even funny. You know, we, I love watching Sweetie, this show. You, I should have been recording <laughs> you as Elle was beating up 
monsters <laughs> because you were like Cameron. You're screaming at the TV. I loved it. I was clapping, not screaming. I was excited. You were doing a little bit of loud. But good talk. screams. When you say screaming at the TV, it sounds yeah, like you're I was like mad. you're at a football game screaming for your team. I was like, yes, like the like in all the episodes when she comes in and just picks up that monster and throws it out the like um, the brick wall. The brick wall. <clears throat> oh, it's so rewarding. It's so here's this girl. Like where, you know, a lot of the structure is built around a relationship with Mike and she's learning about girl stuff from Max and, and yet and she can walk. And again, I love whole, and again, this is a supernatural, like fictional story. It's a metaphor for life. But it is, she can be all those things. She can care about a boy, want to go shopping with her girlfriend, want to be silly and play dumb games. And then also like... Kick the sh- crap out of this monster. And want to look a certain way and wear the cute little dress from the Gap or whatever it is. Absolutely. And also be fine when her nose is bleeding. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's just like 11. Sweetie, I, I got a feeling she's going on your vision board sometime <laughs> soon. She's going to have the bloody nose girl on your vision board. You know what? I should get the little Funko thing, the Pop Funko characters. Do you know the little um, characters like that? Uh, Cameron's got a bunch of them. She's got Joey and oh, Chandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need an L yeah, because she is like, um, but I'm trying to think what version. I want L now in the Gap outfit. Right. So, because that's like, she's coming into herself, yeah. you know? And actually, speaking of, you know what? You can play another clip since we're talking about L. speaking of this. Um, go to the one that is number six, where number I said emotional six. labor. Here we go. Nothing. Just family discussion. Oh. Mike? Yeah. Remember that day at the cabin? You were talking to Max? Um, I don't think I follow. You talked about your, your feelings, your heart. Oh. Oh, yeah, that. Man, that was so long ago. Um, I don't know, it's just heat of the moment stuff, and we were arguing, and I don't really remember. What did I say exactly? Mike. I love you too. Oh, there we go. So. Who's doing the emotional labor there? Well, what's funny is Mike dropped his shield for whatever that experience was they were taught and dropped it. Got vulnerable. Got vulnerable. And then he brought it right back up. Exactly. He can't keep, he can't keep his shield lowered for too so long. So explain that scene when you say he dropped his shield when he said. So so he was basically going around about by saying that he loved Elle. Yeah. So he got vulnerable. He got raw for a moment. And then fast forward to whenever this happened and he couldn't repeat it right like it was too scary it's too it's it's scary for anybody to open themselves up especially 12 year old kid in the 80s well i love he's like oh what did i say like she's got to say it you know and she with the utmost confidence walked right up to him yes. put her hand on his face and said i love you yeah See, and so I'll, i was gonna say i was the one who said i love you first that's all i gotta say oh my god let's not go through that again because you had had too many beers it didn't, it, you needed to get the beer out of your system and then say it again. My beers were my shield <laughs> dropping mechanism. Okay. So 
Then we have, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, let me just real briefly about Max. I thought Max. um, She's a badass too. She's great. And in season two, my girls didn't really love Max. Mm. They were kind of felt like she was just put in there. She was an outsider. She was a bit of an outsider where this season she felt really connected to all the kids and she was, became a really good friend of Elle's and I really loved Max. And she's a very well-rounded character too in that she's a skateboarder. You know, she's she's tough. Very tough. Um, she's brave. Um, but she's also got her girly side, you know? Yeah. And I love that, all that those masculine and feminine coming together. Um, so, uh, and then also she has a good moment like when uh, Elle's still got a little mind flare in her leg and everyone's like, what do we do? What do we do? And Max is like, I know what to do. I'm a skateboarder. Yeah. I know how to, to heal well, this And wound. somebody, I think Nancy or somebody was... Trying Band, to put bandage banding, on. Right. And she's like, you got to stop the bleeding exactly. first. Exactly. Then you got to clean it up. And then you put the band-aids on. Exactly. Women. Believe women. There's, yeah. you know, it's a smart moment. And then um, Robin, who was a really um, great addition to this season, I thought, the reason I thought she was great is I didn't even think about the fact that she was new. I really liked her. And who is this actress? So Robin, uh, her name's uh, Maya Hawk. Um, she is Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman's daughter. Um, not that that's really means anything in the fact that, cause she's I kind of a neat little trivia thing. Yes. She's a great actress. She has really great moments. And, um, actually we have one, um, go to, um, number five. No, very good, sweetie. We're actually using our cues. What nice. I said about clicks class about me being jealous and like obsessed. Yeah. It isn't because I had a crush on you. It's because she wouldn't stop staring at you. Mrs. Click? Tammy Thompson. I wanted her to look at me. But she couldn't pull her eyes away from you and your stupid hair. And I didn't understand because you would get bagel crumbs all over the floor and you asked dumb questions and you were a douchebag and and you didn't even like her and I would go home and just scream into my pillow. Tammy Thompson's a girl. Steve. Yeah? All right, there we go. So, oh my God, I have a lot of comments. Yes. First of all, if this show were being taped in the 80s, this never would have happened. Never. This is an experience as a result of the progress that we've made. Mm -hmm. I also love the fact that Steve, if this were to take place in present day, Steve probably would have honed in on the fact that this girl is bi or gay or something Mm -hmm. like that. And But he almost had an 80s response. He's like... What are you talking about? What are you talking She's about? a girl. Like it wasn't even, on, because that wasn't on the radar one in our 80s. Correct. So those are my two. And games. this is what we need to understand is you're, I completely agree with you. It, this would not have been in an 80s movie or if it would have been, it would have been a joke and a side character. They would have done it for a different reason. It wouldn't have been one of the main characters. Um, but there was just as many people who identified as bi and gay then who had to. Well, they didn't identify. They, they kept what, it hidden. 
but you still identify as a human right, being. But they didn't say it to the world. And when I'm using the word identify, I don't mean to the world. I mean with themselves. Got it, yes. They would of say, course. I know that I'm interested in girls and guys, or I'm interested in girls, or I'm in, you know, like, so my point is, is that this is a, even though we're just seeing it now in an 85, you know, it's 1985 in this show, there was, girls in 1985 were feeling just like Robin. In 1955 and 1855 exactly. and 1755. Point taken. So it's really meaningful, and the um, it it adds a really um, really interesting and awesome dimension to Robin's character, and she also acts that scene really well. You guys are hearing it, but you have to see her facial expressions, um, the way she looks. It's just a really beautiful thing. And Steve has, you know, maybe a TV response. He recovers really fast, but they're real. They become they're really good friends. My last take on that was if I'm Steve, I'm bumming because he know. loved he her, liked, right? Well, he, he liked cared her. about her. Yeah, he, he wanted to be boyfriend girlfriend. He with did. Her. Like, he and did. there's, and I don't know if it's in that scene, but there's got to be some temporary grief. Like, Absolutely. That sucks. Yeah. Where he's she like, she doesn't like me. He, she doesn't, she doesn't like play me. for that team. She doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't want you, Steve, but she does. She says before she gets into that, she says, I really like you, mm. you know, like was they, that, were, were you surprised by this? Yes. So was I, I was pleasantly. I, cause my sister said something to me, like there's a scene with Robin. That's like the best of the season and it's she and Steve. And I thought it would be something about her. Of course, isn't this funny how my brain is trained about her giving Steve a compliment about how great he is with the kids. Like yeah. that's what I envision. Right. And for her to have owned this scene and it was really about her and her identity sure. and her sharing something really intimate um, because there's actually, we're about to jump in here to the movies mm -hmm. that, that are in here. But I thought that the scene where the two of them are, um, you know, taken hostage by the Russians and they're jumping with the chairs and then they fall over mm. and then they start to kind of share something more intimate. Um, you know, she starts talking about being kind of a band geek and wanting to be popular. And he's like, it's not that great. I thought that was a very breakfast club kind of moment, yeah. you know, like where you're trapped somewhere and you can't leave yeah. and it kind of forces you to open up. And it was a very breakfast clubby moment because... She's basically saying all I wanted to do was fit in or be popular. And he was popular. And he's saying, even as a popular kid, it's not that great. Yeah. So you didn't miss anything. Don't you think that's really like, For sure. you know, that's, that's a very breakfast club For moment. Sure. So before you go to movies, yes. can I, uh, I'm going to give you a test. Sure. What would happen if I came home and told you I had lice? What would you do <laughs> right now? What's the first thing you would do? I would probably say, let's start treating your head. And what would you do to treat I'd get, my head? I'd get the welcome. What is the welcome, sweetie? Well, the welcome is um, a comb that makes sure that you get all the nits out of your hair. Right. And it has nothing to do with the chemicals and all that stuff. Actually, what I would probably do is probably shave my head because it's kind of a pain in the ass. Well, we could we could work with the welcome. We could get it done. I know. And most people don't want to shave their head. But if I got lice, I think I would do that first. Elle shaved her head in season yeah, one. Yeah, be like Elle. Mm -hmm. Shave your head. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, but yes, it's all about the comb. And we want to thank our partner, Wellcomb. And this is the way you get it. Go to wellcomb.com or you go to Do Dollar General to purchase your lice and knit removal kit, which includes the Wellcomb. Thank you for your partnership and your support. And keep in mind if and when you get that note home from school or camp. Thank you. One more thing about women before we move to the movies <clears throat> sure. is that um, there is something that is said in the show a lot of times that made me kind of wince. 
Um, and because it feels really sexual assaulty. Okay. Um, which it kind of is an assault. It, um, it's when Billy brings Heather to be taken by the mind flare and he says, just stay there. It will all be over soon. Mm-hmm. And it feel, and then he says it to Elle. Mm-hmm. And I think he even says it to the dude or maybe so do the mom. do you think that the writers deliberately did that to creep out? I don't know. It just felt a little like the mind flayer is assaulting. It's just kind of, it's something, a, a version of that is said to girls and right? men, women a lot. Right. Um, so it felt a little like, you know, just just sit there and this is, I'm going to assault you and it'll yeah. be over soon. It just felt, it, it, I wouldn't say it was triggering to me in the way that it could be triggering to someone, right. you know, but it really made me wince kind of mm-hmm. like, Ooh, people have heard that Would line you prefer before that they left that out. No, I think that if it's in there for a reason mm-hmm. that they maybe were trying to make a statement about something. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know that for sure. You know, that's I, what sh- that's why certain shows are great. It leaves room for interpretation. Exactly. But you know, the mind flare was pretty, uh, assaultive. So, okay. So the movies, so many. So first of all, let's start with the one, the two people we haven't talked about, which is Alexi and Murray Mm. and how they become kind of cute little friends. And Alexi loves Woody Woodpecker. And you and I had, because he watches it on TV and then he gets a Woody Woodpecker Stuffed stuffed animal. So they have a cute little friendship and we were all very sad that Alexi will not be continuing on with us because he was cute. So He got shot in the belly. He did. Now, Todd... I did not know this. I just read this this morning on somebody's blog. Um, but there, Alexi is a reference to one of your favorite 80s movies. Alex, Axel Foley? No. Alexi, Alex P. Keaton? No, not him, but how they keep him in handcuffs and take him around all the, everywhere. Midnight Run? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. Charles Grodin. Yes. Robert De Niro. Yeah. One of these days, my hope is to one day do a pop culturing of Midnight Run. Because I don't know if that's going to happen, my sweetheart. It is one of my favorite all-time movies. Um, he is a throwback to Midnight Run. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I know. I'd, I wouldn't have caught that. Um, my advice, if you're a guy and you're listening to this go watch Midnight Run. And if you're a girl and you're listening to this, go watch Midnight Run. Okay, it's so it's movie. not gender specific? Well, guys tend to think it's funnier than girls. Why? It's just crass, humor, funny. God, De Niro's so funny. God, that movie's so great. So that, movie. so that was one. So Woody Woodpecker, that's a huge part of my childhood, all of our childhood from the 80s. We've seen every episode. Todd and I were talking about how some of the Woody Woodpeckers were drawn different. They weren't as good and, you know, and how you had your favorite episodes. But so there's a great Looney Tunes too. He's watching Looney Tunes. That's a different one. So a few of the movies that um, that I wrote down that in the 80s, they were like Kids in Trouble and then Solving Problems. Sure. Um, and see if you can come up with any others. War Games. Yep. Uh, Goonies. Obvious. Uh, Lost Boys. Yep. Uh, Red Dawn, which they actually comment on Red Dawn because there's a whole Russian thing Mm. going on. I remember at one point Erica's like, have you seen Red Dawn? Um, So any other movies from the 80s that were like Kids in Trouble, Gremlins? No. No? I mean, I don't know. I didn't see Gremlins. What was that little guy's name? Scooter? Skeeter? Uh, Gizmo. Gizmo. Okay. Scooter, Skeeter, Gizmo. So those were like the Kids in Trouble movie where like the kids are smarter than everybody and the 
adults don't even yeah, know what's going on. Yeah, the first one I on. thought was Goonies, but go ahead. So then the gross <laughs> movies, and, so, and I can't say I've seen all of Did these. Say gross? The gross movies from oh, the 80s. Okay. That I, again, the things that are a little more about the supernatural. Um, I asked you about Alien right. because there's actually a scene, um, a few scenes where the mind flayer, like, do you remember when the mind flayer goes right up to Nancy's face and yeah. like screams in her face? There's a scene from Alien mm. where they he does that to Sigourney Weaver. Interesting. Do you remember that? Like he's got I all think that I do. spit I, in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, I remember that. So there was like the Alien. I also thing. think of um, the Schwarzenegger, uh, Carl Weathers, Jesse Ventura. Not Commando, uh, um, Predator. Predator, right. yes. Yeah. So Predator is like yeah. that too. And there was also, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, there is a, do you remember when they're getting the truth serum? Yeah. Wasn't that like a true lies? Uh, no, it wasn't true lies. It was a really good movie. Sharon Stone is in this movie. Yeah, that's true lies. No, true lies is Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right, that's right. You're thinking of, oh. Uh, I'll look it up. Okay. Really, really good movie. So that felt like something I had seen in the 80s when, you know, Robin and Steve are giving the truth serum. And even the guy with all like these, he's got the little machete thing, like the doctor. Yeah. I felt like that was a Schwarzenegger movie. So Total Recall. Total Recall. That was it. Total Recall. Um, so obviously Dawn of the Dead, like, you know, the yeah. mind flayers are kind of like zombies. Um, and then I have never seen this movie um, but the, the whole thing where they go, and this may have been talked about in season one, but invasion of the body snatchers. Never saw it. Neither did I, but do you remember that? I feel like it was like a late seventies scary movie that if we watched today would be bad. Yes. But don't you feel like the mind flare, especially in season one and two, basically that's what he does is he takes right. your body. Right. And I remember that that was similar. There was a movie called coma, you know, again, it's like. So much of it's familiar, which is why I love watching it. Do you it. think they do that deliberately to kind of tip their cap to this um, decade? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, you can call it tipping your cap or you can call it heavily influenced by, right. you know, like it is the highest form of flattery. But and then there's some that are more obvious. So like, OK, so those are like the gross ones. Now, the ones that were just really simple, like were quick. Um, were there was a scene at the very end when they go when Robin and Steve go into um, the family video, and I said it out loud when the the poster on the door is Firestarter. Mm. Do you remember that with Drew Barrymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Stephen King, and you know to me that there it's a reminder of L. Mm. Like I don't know if that's what they kind of seems like a, a little girl, girl who has powers yeah. exactly. So Firestarter, and then. There's a scene, obviously, the, some of the most obvious obvious references are like Terminator. Yeah. Because there is literally a Terminator yeah. in this yeah, movie. Yeah, some Russian dude that has no emotions who walks slowly and just starts killing people. And then when Hopper shoots him, mm -hmm. yeah, he gets back up. Yeah, and he's got the bulletproof vest. But yeah, when he gets back up and Hopper's response <laughs> when he's going down the slide is yes. funny. He's like, oh, great, this guy's still alive. He's still alive. But there's also a scene when he and Hopper are fighting and first they're fighting with guns and then everything gets dropped and then they're standing there and there's like a backdrop and they, and, and I think the R Russian guy, the Terminator guy thinks Hopper's tired and Hopper's like, no, and he puts up his fists. So you see the two of them with this backdrop and they're about to have like a boxing match. Yeah. It's total Rocky, yeah, right? right? Rocky three. Yeah. 
Um, Because at one point I even said during the shows, like I felt like saying the guy was going to say, I will break Mm. you. You know, it's like the Russian influence thing. So those were just some subtle ones. So the obvious ones. Yes. Okay. So Fast Times at Ridgemont High is all over this movie. The mall. Um, th- that Steve has to wear that horrible outfit like Brad does yes, right. and he refuses to wear the hat. Yes. You know, just like um, Brad's really mad about the hat. And then, okay, so this this reference, you can play it. It is number one. Just play it from the very beginning. Is this the Phoebe Cates scene? Yes. Most guys know this scene. I figured. Yeah. But they didn't play the song. Yes, they did. Oh, they did. When Billy is coming out to his lifeguard position, oh, do you remember? Oh, there you go. Really good. So what's interesting, though, is they play it. Yeah, keep it right there okay. so people can hear it because they'll know this part. Because this is really when they start playing it. Um, is... It's a little bit of Caddyshack, you know, the pool and all yeah. the kids are in the pool. And when when Lacey is going to go jump off the diving board, remember everybody passing yeah. her like it's trying to suck in their stomach. Yeah. Well, it's the opposite in this. The girls are right. making themselves look as good as the moms. Exactly. As they can because Billy, the hyper stud, is yes. walking by. So it's like they're playing this song from Fast Times, mm-hmm. which is Phoebe Cates coming yeah. out of the pool. Yeah. But it's like a little Caddyshack-ish at yeah. the same time. Totally. Yeah. So that was what. And there's an obvious reference in last night's episode where when Steve can't come up with the movies he likes, mm-hmm. he says Star Wars and the guy's like a new hope. Yeah. See, because when we grew up, we didn't know they had other names. We just thought it was called Star Wars. We didn't know it was called A New Hope. Right, until Empire Strikes Back came out. Then we Maybe, went back. Maybe, but I don't know if I would have remembered. And then he's like, no, the one with the teddy bears. Yeah, and that's Return of the Jedi. <laughs> right? Yeah. So It was funny watching Steve struggle through the movie scene. That was funny. Yes. And then he is kind of off to the side, and he finds a Phoebe Cates cutout. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And then um, uh, we already said Magnum P.I., and yes. Miami Vice. Hopper is looking like, you know, he's got the stash and the, mm. the bad shirt. And then um, I read this one this morning. I wouldn't have thought of it. Die Hard. Which part? The vents, the getting through oh, the building, yeah. you know. My question is, how did the guy who speaks Russian uh-huh. get through the vents? Because I thought the vents were too small for even Dustin to get through. I was a little confused about that too, except the Erica first goes through the vents. It's a different, I don't know if it's the same duct work because Erica and Dustin came out a different way than they went in. Fair enough. So, but Er that's another moment of Erica being really smart because they're, she's telling him which way to go. They're looking at the plan as he's going through the duct work. And also in the thing I, that I saw where it was talking about Die Hard being referenced is even Billy like is dressed like John McClane. Mm -hmm. He's got the white. T-shirt, t-shirt with stains all over didn't it. Didn't quite as, look as cool as uh, Bruce Willis. So. And he's a dark John McClane, right? Yes. Because he's not a good character. But um, And then Midnight Run, we already said. And then the one that was most obvious to me because this movie was a big part of my childhood was Halloween 2. Right. Which is... All of a sudden, everybody in the hospital is gone. And dead. Dead. The lights don't work. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, and you can't leave. And so when I was in seventh grade, I did my whole science project on that movie where I showed scenes from that movie 
and took people's blood pressure. So like that movie is ingrained in my brain. It's a great science experiment, by the way. Well, it was, I was very interested in horror movies. It was kind of the, How did you do? You get like a good crate mm-hmm. on it? I went to state. Oh, look um, at you, you yes, little smarty farty. I did. Uh, I didn't get, I think I got like an honorable mention Well, that's there. crap. You should have won. If yeah. I was judging, sweetie, you would have won. Well, thank you very much. My Halloween 2 project, I'm sure teachers were like, hmm. Oh, it was Halloween 2? No. It, was, it was that movie. That's why, like as soon as that scene started where Nancy and Jonathan were upstairs, I was just with Cameron. And I don't think you were there. And I go, this is Halloween too. Mm. Like everything that's happening, it's not Halloween one, yeah. it's the hospital. Cause yeah. that's where everything happens. Um, and then Terminator, which we already talked about. Um, and then the, some of the funny ones, uh, vacation. Oh yeah. They got, got the, the station wagon, the family truckster and their name on the CD mm-hmm. or on the CB is the Griswolds. The Griswolds, obvious tip the cap. Yes. So, um, the family truckster, um, the breakfast club scene, I already said, um, and then Back to the Future is huge. Yes, in it a lot. It, it's in it a lot. So Robin and Steve um, and Dustin and Erica, they all end up in Back to the Future, the movie. Um, but there's also a lot of, you know, like there's little references when you think about it, like Max is a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, what are some other things that like, oh, <laughs> this was one that, this is a good one. Billy... You know when they're sitting out, when Billy's sitting outside the mall in the car? Yeah, just standing there. And it kind of looks like he's in the car, though. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. It and, looks like the DeLorean. Yeah. And he's just going to drive as fast as he can and ram them. Exactly. That felt a little back to the future. For sure. And especially since that just happened in Stranger Things in the movie theater. Is it, right. It was about to happen, one or the other. Forget, they, yes. Forget the order of how things went. But yeah. I think they had already been in the movie because they had already been in the bathroom where they're talking about the whole plot. Mm. So, um, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, then Todd, the final movie that, and you can play the clip, I'll, I'll give it to you. It is number two. On the pages is the answer to a never-ending story. So before you talk about this, one thing that this show is really good at is mixing up the scary dark with the light. Yes. You can tolerate it. You're totally scared for like minutes seven through 19 and then they'll cut to somebody else and it's a really funny scene. Yes. Anyways, and I, that's hard to do. Really hard to do. Because in that scene where Dustin and Susie start singing the never ending story, which is adorable, by the way, um, they're like they're cutting to like Hopper listening to this because they're all on the the CB, yeah. so the or the radio, yeah. and they can all hear it. Or you you know you cut to Robin and Steve who are like being chased by the mind flare, and they're like looking at each other like, what are they doing? Mm. Why are they singing? Um, so yeah. But it, this is one thing that went over my head. Okay, so this is so funny to me because there's so many pieces. So number one, this was a very popular song. So okay. just the fact that you missed the pop song, but this was a movie from okay. 1984, what was and it, it about? was kind of like a it was like a um, it's a kids movie. It kind of reminds me of that David Bowie movie. Um, Oh God! Like the the one that Jim Henson did. Um, put in David Bowie, Jim Henson. Um, 
and labyrinth. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a labyrinth type movie. Like yeah. I, I don't remember the never ending story, meaning I was probably a freshman in high school. I know if I didn't watch it, I it was relevant, mm, okay. um, but I can't tell you the whole plot. But it, it kind of felt and looked like labyrinth. So, but what's funny about this is this song, which I know very well, um, is by this guy named Lamal. And he, and it might be a duet with someone. There might be a woman who sings it with him. But it made me laugh this morning when I thought about the fact that Lamal used to be the lead singer of Kajagugu. Okay, I don't know anything okay. what you're talking about. See, and this is why this is funny, because you and I, a fight we got into once was about Kajagugu. Because you claimed they weren't real. Sounds like a made-up song. Okay, so you and Jim Herbick and I were all at a party. Yeah. And we didn't know a lot of people there. So it was like the three of us and then someone else standing with us. And we were kind of bored. So we're like, let's just play um, categories. And we did like A, B, C, you know, come up with a movie. Yeah. Or, or we didn't and we didn't come up with a movie, come up with a band. And I got K. Uh, and I said Kaja Gugu. Yeah. And, I and no all way. three of you guys go, that's not a real band. Yeah, no way. And I was so... It was like three guys and pre, me. Pre-internet where we had the internet in the palm of our hand. So we couldn't, you couldn't verify it. Exactly. And I was so frustrated because you guys weren't being funny. Like, oh, that's not real. You really felt it wasn't real. Yeah. And it's a real band. And so it's a real. So sounds made up. Put sweet. in to your computer. Okay. Put in two T-O-O-S-H-Y. Too she Too shy. Okay, got it. I and think. then play the song, <clears throat> and maybe go to the middle of the song. Here we go. Okay. Kaja. Wait till it gets to the chorus. You have to see Todd's face. Okay. Oh my God. So why are you making these faces? You should see these guys. Is it bad? It's like flock of seagulls meets cheese. Okay. So, well, that's, that's an interesting um, perspective. They should, they should call themselves flock of seagulls meets cheese instead of Kajagugu. So Kajagugu is a real band. Todd said they weren't a real band when we were dating. So and 20 they years later. 20 years later. I we're stand watching corrected. Stranger Things, Lamal sings the never-ending story, and he used to be the lead singer of Kashigugu. We can thread together anything on this show. I guess so. Okay, so any other movies you can think of? Well, we're an hour and five in. Okay, so let's let's end with this. Um, Two other things. Uh, Number one, um, ending with the David Bowie song, We Could Be Heroes. Okay. Um, That why I thought that was really beautiful is the version of We Could Be Heroes, or it's actually just called Heroes, was Peter Gabriel's yeah. version. And he's such an 80s Totally. Singer. It was a really, I've, I, before I watched this finale last night, I don't know if I've ever heard that song, but it fit beautifully. You've heard it. You just have probably never heard his version because you know David Bowie's version and it's used in The Perks of Being a Wallflower uh, at the very end too. Go. So I wanted to read part of um, Hopper's Ooh, letter. Please. Um, can, are we literally going to close with this? Because if so, I wanted to talk about uh, Team Zen. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, Team Zen, zero pressure, 100% support. It's a third podcast. It's 25 bucks a month. 
You get to hang out with Kathy and I a few times a month on video, be a part of a community. And if you get something out of this podcast, um, consider supporting us by being a Team Zen member. Um, next Zen Talk is tomorrow night. And our last Zen Talk was Zen Talk number 60. And we dealt with family dynamics, summer boredom, and money. And then my other uh, plug is for coaching. If there's any guys out there, you want to do some one-on-one coaching virtually, uh, go to toddadamscoaching.com. I would love to work with you for sessions free. Um, and then I want to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. All right. So we'll end with Hopper's letter um, because I think it's really beautiful. And while he's reading it, this song by Peter Gabriel is playing. So mm-hmm. it's really moving and you're seeing a lot, kind of a montage of the kids. Sure. Um, but he, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's too long. I'm just going to read the last two paragraphs. But he kind of, I'm starting where he's talking about that he really thinks they need to set up some boundaries because Mike and, you know. Al are spending too much time together and he's like, so we need some boundaries so we can honor each other's feelings. And then he says, feelings, Jesus. The truth is for so long, I've forgotten what those even were. I've been stuck in one place in a cave, you might say, a deep, dark cave. And then I left some egos out in the woods and you came into my life. And for the first time in a long time, I started feeling things again and I started to feel happy. But lately, I guess I've been feeling distant from you like you're pulling away from me or something. I miss playing board games every night, making ego extravaganzas at sunrise, watching Westerns together before we doze off. But I know you're getting older and you're growing. I guess if I'm being honest, that's what scares me. I don't want things to change. So I think that's maybe why I came in here to maybe stop that change, to turn back the clock, to make things go back to the way they were. But I know that's naive. That's just not how life works. It's moving. It's always moving, whether you like it or not. And yeah, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's sad. And sometimes it's just surprising. So you know what? Keep growing up, kid. Don't let me stop you. Make mistakes and learn from them. And when life hurts you, because it will, remember the hurt. The hurt is good. It means you're out of that cave. But please, if you don't mind, for the sake of your poor old dad, keep the door open three inches. Oh. Isn't that beautiful? It's wonderful. I was crying really hard. I got goosebumps uh, when I was watching that last night. It was so good. Yeah. And it's just such a great... Closing. Closing to a season. And um, and obviously, there's a lot of other things that happen in this season that Todd and I can't... You know, there's just no time. There were so many... Epi- we could take one episode sure. and you know, tear it apart. Um, but I thought they did a good job making sure everybody had a role. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, you know, we could go through each of the guys and talk about what a powerful role they had too. Um, but I really, I enjoy this show. I enjoy the depth of it. I enjoy the eighties of it. I enjoy watching it with my girls. I enjoy watching it with you and I'm looking forward to season four. May of 2021. I think yes. that's what Cameron said. Yes. So, um, all right. Songs. Standing Standing by the wall And the guns Shout above our heads And we kiss Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Hey, we just launched our new podcast, Pop Culturing. It's Generation X look at movies, TV with a focus on personal growth and self-awareness. Basically, it's the flip side of ZPR. 
we break down key moments and little known facts and discuss what it means to be human. It's the podcast we've been searching for, so we decided to create it ourselves. Yes. Did you know, Todd, that we have a third podcast? I did not know that. We do. It's called Zen Talks, and it's included with Team Zen membership. You get access to all the Zen Talks, the podcast, and that's we have like 60 and counting, access to a community Facebook page where you can ask us your personal questions, and you have access to a parenting community so you will never feel alone again. Within Teams, then, there are smaller groups like Raising a Differently Wired Kid or Raising Teenagers. Just don't do parenting alone. Join Team Zen. Hey, we want to tell you about an exciting weekend workshop we have coming up on October 25th through the 27th at the Majestic 1440 in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. For more details, go to uh, ZenParentingRadio.com. Invite us to speak to your organization or your school about sex ed in the 21st century. It's the most important communication that parents can have with their kids, but it's not happening nearly enough. Email Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com or go to ZenParentingRadio.com to submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our other upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop Amazon, you can help us out by going to our Amazon link under support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Guys, two things. I have a coaching practice and it's called toddadamscoaching.com. Check it out. And I also have a tribe men's group. And in the past, it's always been um, in person, but we now have a virtual community. We do at least one virtual call a month and it's awesome. Check it out. Go to tribemensgroup.org. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Don't forget to put next year's ZPR conference on your calendar. It's February 28th and 29th. Boom. Um, and finally, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He has a company called Avid, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Thank you, Jeremy. And thanks to all of you listeners for your love and support. And for goodness sakes, just keep on trucking. Mm-hmm.